Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. I'm Tim Harris. It's time for Tim with Tim. You know, have you ever do that? Like, I hadn't used my voice yet today. Uh, and y'all know I've had a bad voice for off and on for two weeks. But, you know, it just dawned on me, like, I don't know if anything's going to come out when I when I sign on and say good morning. So this is what we all get. Uh, this is what it sounds like today. It's getting better. And I'm praying for Sunday. I want a strong voice for Sunday. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Tim with Tim. It's been a good week in the Word. We're in the book of Exodus. Um, Exodus chapter 33. This is a really fascinating chapter to me. So let's jump right in. Exodus chapter 33. I think there are 23 verses. The first six verses, I'll be honest with you, I'm just kind of confused and I've really tried to study here and figure it out and I can't quite figure it out. Um, uh, The question is, is is God going with them or not? You know, Um, I mean, in some ways it's like you're on family vacation and you're going to Gatlinburg and I don't know, um, mama gets mad and gets out of the car, you know, in Johnson City and says she ain't going. And you're like, you know, well, you can't go without you and I can't leave you here, you know. And she's like, well, I'm not going. And I mean, and it feels like that. It's like, well, is God going to go or not? You know, what's up with this? And how are we supposed to understand it? God's made promises to his people. And his promises have brought them this far. And, and one of the promises is I, I will go with you. You know, way back in, what was it, chapter 29, uh, the end of chapter 29, you know, that was God's big promise, I will go with you. And this is what sets them apart from other nations of the world, that God's presence is with them. But, but, but what does it mean? <clears throat> Several things I've discovered in study in chapter 33. Uh, first off, in the Hebrew, this chapter, uh, the word face is very important. It's very important. And the word face is used in different ways. And in some ways that helps me because I realize that that we're talking about a, a range, a continuum, uh, so to speak, of, of manifestations of God's presence. You know, So, for example, in, in nearly all of these places where it says God's presence or I will be with you, the Hebrew word there is my face. My face will go with you. You know, my face will be with you. So it's important, especially as you know, you get to the end of the chapter when Moses wants to see God's face. You know, so face is a word that's repeated throughout this chapter very importantly, but we lose that in English translations. With that, understand there are, there's a continuum, there's a range when we're talking about the presence of God. Remember when the elders went and had that magnificent feast in the presence of God and they beheld his glory um, but I also pointed out at the time, they kind of saw all of it like heaven's floor went transparent and they were kind of seeing God's feet from the bottom, you know. So, so there's uh, always this hiddenness involved with God's presence. A revelation of his face is somehow always enveloped, hidden by a cloud, you know. And so there's this range between the, the general presence of God in all of creation you know, the way you can sense God's presence when you're at a beautiful lake in Alaska, you know, um, or this intensified presence of God in what the Old Testament would call a theophany, a, a manifestation of God's presence. You know, so there's a range there. And inside that range is God's accompanying presence. I'll go with you. And then God's tabernacling presence, you know, where he promises to live among them. And it sounds to me in that range that the tabernacling presence is now what's in question. I mean, he says, I'll send an angel, a messenger, and, and it kind of, I think we're supposed to understand that 
that that messenger is God's own self, you know, he's going to accompany them, but is he going to live among them? You know, again, it's really complicated and I'm struggling here, but but one way or the other, the people understand that this is bad news. And so they hear this word and they go into mourning. But notice what God says. You know, I could go with you, but if I was with you, I'd just kill you. You know, again, that sounds like mama on vacation getting out of the car in Johnson City. You know, I mean, I'd be with you, but you'll all be dead, you know. It's not that God says, you know, I'm fitting to lose my mind. It's not God losing control. It's just simply God knows these people. You know, they were told to build a tabernacle and they built a golden calf, you know, and God's glory, God's holiness cannot dwell in the presence of that kind of naked rebellion, you know. His holiness will consume them. And so God said, I may have to keep some distance from you people so y'all don't, you know, die in my presence, you know. So even God's hesitancy here is a reflection of his grace upon them. If they're not going to be holy as he is holy, then his holiness will, they're going to be flattened, you know? And so, but notice here in verse five, it's still left open. Take off your jewelry, quit quit walking around like it's some kind of fancy party and and I'll decide what to do. That's what he says in verse five. Remove your jewelry and find clothes while I decide what to do with you people, you know? And so from that point on, they they no longer dress like they were, you know, Kardashians. what follows here in verses 7 through 11 is really, really interesting, I, I think. It, some scholars say this doesn't fit. It looks like it kind of got dropped in from outside. But it's sort of a, a flashback, and it's important for what's to come. So it's a flashback that this is how it's been, you know, before the golden calf and all of that debacle. You know, and up to this point, there's been a particular place outside the camp where it's called the, the, the tent of meeting or the, uh, the, the, the tent of the congregation, so to speak. Um, it was outside the camp, and it was there for anybody who wanted to meet with God, and, and I find that really, really interesting. It was Moses' practice, verse 7, to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp, and everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of the meeting outside that camp. I like the fact that if you wanted to go meet with God, you had to go out of your way. You know, He isn't going to come to you. You're going to have to go to Him, and I like that. Something about that I like. You know, God makes himself accessible to us, but you're going to have to get out of your chair. You know, you go to him. He doesn't come to you. You serve him. He doesn't serve you. You know what I mean? Uh, He's still God. And and, and I like that. This amazing picture of Moses who would go, and again, pay attention to the word face. It says that Moses would speak to the Lord face to face. Well, not like literally face to face. I mean, see, that's the whole point. There's a range here. And what this means is Moses had this unmediated intimacy. The, the part of the fact of the story is it's stressing Moses' special relationship with God. <clears throat> but with that, the fact that Moses doesn't need a Moses, you know, he goes straight to God and, and he hears from God. And I think that's interesting for what comes afterwards too. But he goes and he speaks with God. God is a speaking God. You, you see that? Um, and so Moses would come and go from the tent of meeting. But then I love this little detail. It's the first time I believe that we hear the name Joshua. It's the first time, and it's right here. And it says, uh, you know, Moses would come and go, but Joshua would stay. You know, uh, as far as people go, when you hear that detail, that lets you know this is the man to watch right here. I mean, Moses is important, but I'm keeping my eye on Joshua, you know, because 
Uh, it is important to go out of your way to be in the presence of God, but I also think there's something to be said about a pattern of meeting with God over your life. And this is what, this is the way we're introduced to Joshua. He's going to be fantastic. Next time we see him, he's going to be on the battlefield, you know, but for now, um, he's in the presence of God. Uh, keep your eye on him because he's going to matter. Um, and then what follows is this is amazing story of Moses who just keeps ratcheting up, you know? God gives Moses a little bit of privilege and Moses said, well, listen, how about this? You know, Moses continues to ask for more. Um, I love that. And it's not that God makes him ask, but it's just simply, it seems like we get from God what we expect to get from God and we receive from God in proportion to what we ask for from God. You know, and not what the book of James says, you do not have because you do not ask. Moses is divinely assertive and he goes straight to God and he just asks and God can say no, but Moses can still ask. And so at this point, it's this wonderful picture of intercession. It's very personal between God and Moses. They are, so to speak, face to face, but not exactly. And so uh, Moses says, if it's true, if, if it's true that you really do find favor on me, then let's talk about your people. Remember that this nation is your very own people. Remember yesterday we were talking about how God was saying, hey, these, your people are, uh, are down there misbehaving. You better go do something about your people, you know. And Moses is now reminding God that these are your people. These are your people. So then verse 14, the Lord says, my face will go with you. Again, New Living Translation, my presence. I, I will personally go with you. But again, the Hebrew word there is my face will go with you. Moses, I, I will give you rest. Everything's going to be fine for you. Uh, is, is, that, is that the answer? Again, it's still up in the air. And so Moses presses, if you don't personally, if your face doesn't go with us, don't make me leave this place. Don't make us leave this place. How will anybody know that, that you're really with us if, 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 if your face isn't with us? You know, so again, it's, it's the word face. And it's really fascinating. If you're, it's your face that sets, a, 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 sets your people apart from all the other nations of the world. And so verse 17, the Lord settles it. And he says, I will indeed, my face, uh, my face will be with you. You know, I will indeed do what you have asked. I look favorably on you and, and, and I know you by name. So verse 17, I think it's settled. God is going to dwell with his people. Uh, but again, it's so difficult to follow all, all of that is up in the air. Then Moses pushes it one step further and says, then show me your presence. Show me your glory. Now, Moses asked to see God's glory. I want to see your face. In other words, he's asking for a, a, to see God's face, God's presence, unenveloped by the cloud. You know, I, I want to see. I don't, I don't want it hidden. I don't want to see your feet from below. I, you know, I don't want to see, you know, your blazing furnace of your beauty, you know, through a cloud. I want to see. I, I, I want to see. And notice what the Lord does here. He switches the word. Moses said, I want to see your glory. And the Lord says, I will let my goodness interesting. I'll let all my goodness pass before you and I will speak my own name. You know, again, God's name that is too holy to be pronounced by human lips, but God himself can do it. And God said, I'm going to pass by, I'm going to show you my goodness and I'm going to speak my name. I think that's interesting. The switches from glory to goodness. Glory has to do with God's, you know, existential, essential being you know, of, of holiness and removal, transcendence from us. But goodness is about character. You could see God in his glory and he might be a monster. The fact is he's not just glorious, he's good. 
And God says, I'm going to show you something of my character. I'm going to show you my goodness, my essential qualities of goodness. And, and, and that's so beautiful and important. But also notice what else God does. Moses says, I want to see. And God says, I'm going to let you see something, but I'm also going to let you hear something. You know, So God reveals himself, something about his character. He is goodness, completely good. But also, you're going to have to listen, Moses. You're going to see, but you're going to listen to, I'm going to speak my name. Understand, God continues to reveal himself as the speaking God. You know, you're going to see, but you're going to listen, Moses. I just think that's beautiful. It's not exactly what Moses asked for, but it's exactly what Moses needs. And it's more than anybody else could possibly imagine. And Moses gets it because he asked. You know, you don't have because you don't ask. And, and then uh, uh, stand near me on this rock, he says, I'm going to pass by. I'm going to cover the you know, cleft in the rock with my palm of my hand. And you're going to see me from behind. <laughs> It's, not, it's like God mooned him. It's not that. You're going to see my glorious backside. Um, uh, my face will not be seen. Uh, again, the word face is so important. You're going to see my backside. Uh, that is not like, yeah, you know, that, that does sound, it's a, I'll show you my backside. Um, no, understand, I think this is an important principle. Um, the back of God is what you see when you're following God. You know, if you're looking at a guy face to face, if you see him in his face, that means you're standing in front of him and you don't ever get to stand in front of him. You follow this God and this is his promise, right? I will lead you. I will be with you. I will lead you. So get behind me, you know, get behind me. So Moses from behind sees God's goodness and hears God's voice. Uh, you follow him, get behind him. And, uh, and you will see his goodness and you'll hear his voice. Uh, I love that chapter so much. It's just so good. So Monday, I don't know what kind of weather it's going to be, y'all. I tell you, I'm, oh my goodness. I, I wish I could say I will be remote from some sunny beach. But I think it's cold in Florida right now. I mean, where can we go, y'all? The world is frozen. Um, and it's just going to get so windy and bad. But anyway, here we go. I will see you, Lord willing, Monday morning for Tim with Tim. And we're going to do chapter 34. We're going to pick up the pace again next week because we're going to hear about the tabernacle in detail all again like we hadn't already read it. So we'll, uh, we'll make some good time next week and we're going to get to the end of the book of Exodus and we'll talk about what comes next. I love you guys so much. Continue to pray for my voice. I want to preach up. I got a, I got a big sermon on Sunday. I really want to preach it. Uh, so pray for my voice. I love you all so much. Uh, wasn't that good? I love God's word and I love reading it with you. Uh, so if I don't see you on Sunday here at Woodburn, 8, 9, 30, 11, I will see you Monday morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. Love you guys so much.